0: Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 34. I'm your host, Scott Davenport. Today's topic is making the best of bad weather. Hi everyone, welcome, thanks for joining me this week. I'm glad to be back for another chat about photography and I'm glad you're making this podcast part of your photo life. Today, we're going to talk about bad weather and some strategies for making the best of bad weather so we can still get good photos. Bad weather is something every landscape photographer faces, and if you work outdoors with your camera, you know exactly what I mean. What prompts today's topic is a listener question. Back in episode 30, I asked you to tell me the things about photography you find most challenging. And thank you to those that shared your thoughts. I've enjoyed our email exchanges on your photo challenges, somewhere about camera work and somewhere about post processing, somewhere about asset management. And incidentally, I'd still like to hear from you. You can send in your thoughts using the contact form on stopdownpodcast.com. Messages come straight to me. No robots, just me. And one of these exchanges was a question from listener Tony, and I thought it would be a good topic for an entire podcast. He asked me, how do I deal with bad weather when I'm on location? And since this is more or less a universal challenge for landscape photographers, it makes for a good topic to talk about. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please do share it with a friend, share it on social media, with your camera club, and if you can, please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Fresh ratings really help other photographers find out about the show, and new listeners is a good healthy thing for our community. Let me begin with the background from Tony's message. He'd taken a trip to Acadia National Park in Maine, beautiful, beautiful place, and during his visit. The mornings were just sacked in with fog the entire time he was there, so no sunrises. By mid-morning, the fog burns off and the days are bright, you know, cloudless skies, harsh light. Thankfully, sunsets were saving grace for him, but overall, the weather was not cooperative with the kinds of conditions landscape photographers hope for. We live for those days with partly cloudy skies, something with character, something to catch those low-angle sunbeams for bursts of color at sunrise and sunset. And sometimes we just don't get that. And in this scenario, this isn't a just try again to go make the photo. You've taken a trip to a place. You're there for a limited time. You're there when you're there, and that's what you're going to get. It's not like photographing where you live. If conditions aren't favorable one day, you can just try again a different day and the law of averages ultimately kicks in and you'll get the conditions that match the vision you had for a particular photo. On a scheduled visit, you're at the complete and total mercy of nature. You just get what you're going to get. So Tony asked me, how would you handle such a trip? And I do have some thoughts. A caveat, as I talk through these thoughts, I'm sure either consciously or subconsciously I'm thinking about Acadia National Park. I've been there a couple of times recently, you know, recent years. And so keep that in mind. I'm not presenting an exhaustive list. I've got a little bit of a a mental bend toward Acadia. But, you know, there's never really an exhaustive list, right? So let's talk about this. How do I handle a photo trip that serves up bad weather? The first thought is it actually starts with planning. That might sound a little weird. You know, planning for bad weather. Uh, Well, there actually is some planning you can do around weather. Way back in episode 15 of this podcast, Sketching Over Planning, that was the episode, I talked about how I plan for travel and for photo trips. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that earlier episode. So I don't plan out exact itineraries. I mean, yeah, there has to be some planning of getting from point A to point B, but once I'm in a place, within a certain radius, I sketch out half-day events or excursions, and they just go into this big pool of possible photo outings. Given a particular day, I can pick an event from the pool and one that best suits the conditions of the day. So some of these sketches are made with suboptimal weather in mind. They're like mini contingency plans. If I get bad weather, well, I know what I'm going to do. I've got a sketch for overcast days. You got a sketch for rain. You have a sketch for what am I going to do if it's perfect conditions. But if I get bad weather, I know what my options are. And at the end of the trip, it's okay if you don't use all of these event sketches you've mapped out. And in fact, you probably won't use them all. And if you have sketches for weather patterns that you don't want to see, then it's good that you have some left over. To build up those sketches, you next need to think about subject choice and the different kinds of subjects that will be in the area you're visiting and how they might suit different types of weather. When you're planning a trip, you've likely got the list of must-visit places, right? Each place you go, there's chances you're going there to see a certain thing or capture the the must-take photo, the iconic shot. Like in Acadia, I'm thinking of Sunrise and Cadillac Mountain or the Reflections in Jordan Pond. Those are easier sketches to make, and the assumption is that nature is cooperating. The universe will serve up those partly cloudy skies, calm winds, colorful foliage, whatever's necessary to make that great shot. Then you have to go to the next step. All right, what if you get fog? What could look good in fog? Uh, trees offset by fog. Fog obscures the background. It can isolate a subject. It can make a subject feel lonely. You know, a stretch of coastline that fades into the difference. Buildings or alleyways in a town, a handful of boats in the harbor. Fog can bring a level of order to chaotic scenes because it diffuses and hides the background, so an area that might otherwise be very busy can be made simpler. It can get simplified by fog. Uh, Fog can act like flowing water. Can you find a location with a view of moving fog? Something at elevation, like in Acadia again. There are several places with elevated vantage points. Break out a couple of filters, do some longer exposures. And what about the fog, like weaving through the treetops, uh, just making you know, this, you know rivers of fog that could be really cool. Or what if you get rain? You know what can look good in the rain? Uh, close-ups, you know, raindrops on leaves. Gentle drops in a lake or a pond, they could add visual interest, small circles of ripples everywhere, and depending on the forecast, light rain can be sporadic, it can be off and on, and that's a good time to be out because when the sun breaks, even momentarily, the light can just be absolutely glorious. All the dust and particulates in the air have been washed away. You can get some really, really beautiful light in between those bits of rain. Now, what about overcast skies? You got just a bunch of gray. Uh, well, first thing, forget about the sky. Compose for other things. Gray skies make a great natural soft box. Get out into the forest. Use the soft light. There's less glare off the foliage. You can do smaller subject studies. A, um, a more colorful subject, the subject in and of itself, being the color for the scene, even accentuate that in post. Uh, reflections in the water could be good without the sky included. So just you know the mirror image of say a tree line or a, an interesting building above uh, still water. You can embrace the gray, the overcast, and just capture the gloomy mood. You know something a moody seascape, a moody harbor. If there are like uh, older stone bridges in uh, Acadia, for example, the carriage roads, those can be strong, sturdy subjects, but with a moody feel if it's just gray and overcast. Another cool idea for overcast is thinking in black and white. And uh, better yet, switch your camera into a creative mode so you can see the world in black and white. So our modern cameras have that live view and it can uh, add the creative modes and you can see exactly what the camera would do when you press the shutter. So black and white is a, uh, a really good choice for overcast days. There's not much color there, so don't force it, just pivot and work with what you have. And uh, you can try some long exposures in with grey skies too if there's some nuance in the sky. You know, a longer exposure can add a little fluidity to the sky and it adds some abstract qualities as well. So those are thoughts around gray skies, but what about the opposite, bright, cloudless contrasty daytime? My first thought is infrared. Bright is great for infrared, often the worst conditions for a traditional landscape photo are the best conditions for infrared photography. Now, I like black and white infrared, where greens become white, blues turn to black. The color infrared can look equally interesting. And if you don't have an IR camera, you can think about converting an older one. Uh, I did mine with a company called LifePixel. I'll put a link in the show notes to them. There are also filter kits you can add to an existing camera to allow it to capture in infrared. So that is definitely one thing to explore on bright, contrasty days. You could also shift to what I'll call accent photos. So, forgetting about the landscape writ large and focus instead on smaller details that could accompany and complement a landscape photo as part of a group of images, you know, a series of images to describe a place. You know, for Acadia, an example would be turning attention to the town, the structures, or the boats in the harbor, uh, close-ups of lobster traps, or a wagon wheel, or a bridge, just other images that tell the story of the area beyond the you know, gorgeous scenery that's there and the rolling colorful hills and the rugged coastline. So what we think of as bad weather may not be all bad. I won't dispute that it's not undesired but with some what-if thinking up front, Make some sketches, think about the different subjects that will be in the location you're going to visit, and which of those subjects might lend themselves to less than ideal weather conditions. Get a few of those sketches mapped out. You'll be more prepared, and if nature throws you a bad day, you kick in one of those contingency sketches, and you'll have subjects to turn into good photos Even if the weather is bad. As I thought more about this topic, this idea of bad weather, quote-unquote bad weather, I think there are two types of bad. One is the uninspiring or undesired weather, and that's what we've just talked about and how to deal with that type of weather. We have these unspiring conditions, an overcast day, rain, or a boring sky, and that might not be the first choice for landscape photography. It's simply weather that didn't match our hopes or our expectations. We want one set of conditions, nature serves up another, but there's some things that we can do. We can plan for alternatives. The other type of bad is actually bad. You know, conditions that are just dangerous to be out photographing in. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on this subject. There is just certain weather I don't think we want to be out with. Like a lightning storm. I'm staying inside. I'm not going to go run around waving my six-foot lightning rod of a tripod above my head out in a lightning storm. You know, or a hurricane, a tornado, a blizzard. You know, No thanks. I'll find... An indoor photo activity to do: process some images, rate, call, tag, preferably in front of a cozy fire. <laughs> there's there's things I can do photographically that I don't need to put myself in severe weather conditions. Uh, there could also just be conditions that I'll describe as maybe insufferable. You know, a downpour of rain. Now, it's not going to harm you per se but keeping your equipment safe and the front element dry, maybe that's more trouble than it's worth. Extreme heat or cold, that could damage your gear. It could also damage you. So knowing your limits, I think, is important too. So bad weather that's just not matching our expectations is manageable, but really bad weather I'm more inclined to go find a different indoor photo activity to occupy those times, and hopefully my entire trip isn't full of severely bad weather. A little bit of virtual studio news. Honestly, not a whole ton happening this week. Uh, I've been mainly tinkering with the audio setup in the video recording area. Uh, The podcast itself, I haven't changed the audio on and hopefully that's all sounding good. Everything's sounding good in your ears. In the video space, I've noticed a little bit of a hum here and there. I think I've narrowed it down to what it might be and I've taken a couple of steps and tweaks. It's like anything, It's, it's a lot like photography, it's these slow little changes that over time you build up the recipe that makes things work. And then, when your environment changes, a little more tweaking is needed. I do want to take a moment and thank all the supporters on Patreon. Thank you every week. And I'm thanking you again this week. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your support. It's what makes this podcast possible, it's what makes a lot of the free content that I offer through YouTube and through my blog possible. It is really the kind of the backbone, the fuel for. Many of the things that I do photographically, and so thank you very, very much. If you're interested in joining our Patreon community, check the show notes. There's a link there. You can learn more. There's also a button on every page of StopDownPodcast.com where you can learn more about it. And that will wrap up this week's episode. If you've got thoughts, questions about photography, like to share something with me, drop me a note, hit the contact form on stopdownpodcast.com. Messages come straight to me. I'd really like to hear from you, hear what's on your mind. And once again, if you can share this episode with a friend, if you can leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely wonderful. Until next time, my name is Scott Davenport. Have fun.